Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and uh, this is Be Above Leadership's um, regular or semi-regular, I should say, <laughs> radio irregular. program. <laughs> irregular, irregular, semi-regular um, radio show, and it is December 3rd today, and um, here is um, Anne, my wonderful um, business partner and good friend, and I'm Ursula, and today we are going to have some fun with consciousness. Yes. So, so Anne, consciousness, well, this is, it's a huge subject. It's like, you know, it's like an iceberg or something. Oh, <laughs> Where it's, do it's, we begin? I don't even know, and I, and I w- <laughs> thought it was rather bold of us to even put that out there. So, you know, as we were waiting it on the call, I, I said to her, so let's just talk about something else. It's the, it's, um, it's the big question of life, really. It's the big yes. question that has troubled philosophers since there were philosophers. It's the big question that um, has troubled neuroscientists since we've had brain scam- scanning um, capacity. It's the question. What is, what is it? We know we have these brains that do things, that you know, run our bodies and maybe think our thoughts, but what to what degree do we have conscious awareness and where do you find that in the brain? Is, um, it's a question that remains largely open. People have theories. There are philosophical theories um, that go back to the beginning of time. And um, that's what we want to talk about today a bit. And what do we know about... <laughs> how, many, how many hours? How many hours is this radio program? <laughs> I thought we'd have 30 minutes and, and talk about that. And, and, uh, um, so, um, you know... Oh, uh, what have we done? What have we done? Right. <laughs> so, of course, you know, I have to sort of jump in straight away and have an opinion on this. Um, oh, please you know, you know do. Me, yes. You know me well enough to say that I have opinions on everything. Um, I... I think what, you know, what comes also into the mix, aside from, uh, you know, that neuroscientists as well as philosophers, you know, have searched, uh, you know, and, and have asked this question, and there is also the whole spiritual aspect of this. Mm. So I think mm. theology has um, grappled with that, and, 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 you know, and then there are all these wisdom traditions and mystery schools that all have a take on it. I really see consciousness as this big, beautiful puzzle where each of these um, backgrounds and knowledge and wisdom and history fit in to give us this picture. Yeah, I think that's really well said, and you make me think of one of my favorite quotes from the French theologian Tillard de Chardin, who said, um, science, philosophy, and religion are bound to converge as each draws nearer to the whole. Beautiful. I love that. That is really, that is also one of my favorite quotes, because it really speaks to um, it, I think it speaks to where we're at right now in time. Yes, um, it is I a wonderful right. time to be alive, um, to have now um, scientists and religion and everybody really looking at this with a great deal more openness than, you know, even 20 years ago. 
I think that's right. I think we are in the time of convergence, and it's pretty fun. So, you know, we have one of the reason that we talk about consciousness here is that we have at the above a model of consciousness. We have a uh, what we call the seven levels of effectiveness, and what they are is basically seven states of human consciousness. And so people will often say, as well they should, okay, you're talking about consciousness. What do you mean by that? And I say, if I if I need to say it in a one-liner, I often say something like, well. The degree to which we are awake, the degree to which we are able to observe our own internal processes, because I don't, mm-hmm. we have lots of thoughts that are not conscious thoughts. You know, we have the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And we have, if anybody, anybody who's ever tried to meditate, you know, and, and is, is willing themselves to make their mind blank, well, you know how easy that is. It's not. So we've got all these thoughts, and they're even conscious thoughts in that we're aware of them. Um, but th- how are they happening? They seem to just pop up like dandelions on the lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and they're just as hard to get rid of. I don't want to be thinking yeah. about my grocery list. Dang. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, who, if ever has ever anyone tried to get rid of dandelions in a big lawn, they know, you know, you can poke all you want, you get rid of one and 10 more spring up. And it yeah. is so true about thoughts. And I really love where you're pointing it. There are thoughts that are conscious. There are thoughts that are unconscious. And I also think there are the reactions to our thoughts um, as well as the proactivity to our thoughts that really point us to ever a larger degree of consciousness. Yeah, and I think that's a really great place to, to go from here when I think about the brain and the be above model and the seven levels of conscious seven levels of effectiveness, excuse me, which you can find on our website at beaboveleadership.com, um, is that what we see in terms of looking at this from an from an from a I hate to use the words developmental but from a progressive state is that our brain is becoming progressively less reactive as we move up from the levels of consciousness and um the brain is a big is a big mess there are so many different factors that that play in to consciousness or to even um uh, you know, to everything, basically, to be imprecise. Uh, I wanted to say one other thing about that, that um, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry, I just lost my train of thought as I got into that the brain is a big mess. So there's not, basically, you don't want to point to one thing. I know mm-hmm. what I was going to say. So there are people who might say, well, it's all about our biochemistry, it's all mm-hmm. about what are the chemical reactions that we're having if we are, in, in our words, below the line in the more reactive states of consciousness mm-hmm. or effectiveness. The first three, these would be our first three levels of hopelessness, fear, and frustration. You're more reactive. Well, there are people saying, well, it's just, it's, your, it's the chemicals that are controlling you, and we're nothing but kind of a vat of chemicals. Well, yes. 
the chemicals are having a huge impact, and we are more, we are also more than that. But I'll give you an example. If we are angry, like if something has happened to make us very angry, um, something really unfair or really, you know, triggering an old wound and we're really angry, well, we're going to get some chemical trigger. We're going to yes. get some adrenaline and cortisol. And if we're feeling very righteous and like we're right and they're wrong, we might even get a little dopamine to go with that. Mm-hmm. Well, those chemicals are designed to flood our prefrontal cortex and actually make it more difficult to consciously process. So are we at you know, are we at the effect of our chem- these chemical cocktails? Well, to a certain degree, it's fair to say, yes, we, they have a huge impact. And if I'm super angry and you're telling me to just, you know, think about it, well, that's the one thing I can't do. I just want mm-hmm. to get you back. Yeah, right, because, you know, the, the, the amygdala, which is really designed to keep us safe and had, had, it had to be this way, um, you know, many, 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 many hundreds of years ago, really, it, it scans for threats and it still does that, uh, whether, we, whether we like it or not. Well, yeah, absolutely, and I really love that. I love that you brought in our, our beautiful friend, the amygdala. And I always think about seeing this article about a woman who can't. Now I can't remember. I'm sorry, guys. Can't remember if she had the, her amygdala removed for some reason, got damaged, or she was born without one. But she had no fear. She had no fear. Oh she goodness, that must be. And it's very that dangerous. Must, that must be scary. Actually. It's <laughs> scary for really everybody scary. else. They yep. showed her reaching into, um, a, you know, reaching into a cage of poisonous snakes without fear. Now, what's interesting is maybe I don't remember. I don't think they bit her, but maybe they didn't sense her fear. At any rate, we have this amygdala. We have this fight or flight threat response. You know, we come by it honestly, and we need yeah. it even now. Yeah. Even yeah. now, we need it. You know, if you're driving and there's a car coming at you the wrong way, you do not want to be thinking, "How fast am I going? How fast are they going? Are they going to see me? What's logical? What's predictable? What does the research show?" <laughs> you really just want to get the heck out of the way. <laughs> And you'll feel that. And you'll feel that in driving. Ursula and I had this the other day. We were driving, and I can't remember what happened. Some car was sort of swerved into our lane, and you know you can feel the adrenaline response before the thought. Well, I could even feel it, and I was only sitting next to you. But I immediately <laughs> feel, felt this, you know, this tingling in my hands, and the, my heart yeah. rate was up, and you know, my sweaty palms, and it was, you know, it was this instant. And you know, really, I talked to a client early on before um, our radio show, and I said, um, you know, we we have no control over the chemicals; they will enter our body. Yes. However, there is also, and I, this is sort of a placeholder until we, we really go through what really goes, in, uh, goes through the body, but we do have control over the regulation of that. Well, yes, I mean, and this is the place that what we see, what we see as people move up through the levels, and we can talk more about what that means, but just put that there for now, um, as people go up through the levels, one of the things that seems to be 
key is they get more ability to regulate. And that doesn't mean, you know, like when we're driving on a twisty road in California and there's a car coming at us and the road's very narrow, that doesn't mean you won't have the chemical response. It's a question of how integrated the brain is. And this would be a case of top and bottom integration. So the bottom, the, the top brain, the prefrontal cortex, and the amygdala, if there's, a, if there's a more integration there, then I don't go into road rage. I, re- mm-hmm. I adjust. I react. Ursula and I look each other. We take a breath. I drive a little more slowly. I'm emotionally regulated. I have no, you know, I'm not... Yell! I'm not go. I'm not amping it up or yelling at myself for being stupid or anything like that. I'm just back to a calm state fairly quickly because of top and bottom integration. People who are not as integrated top or bottom, it's harder for them to get their rational brain to come mm-hmm. online and mm-hmm. calm their lower brain down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since we are talking about consciousness, so a, so, so <laughs> let me ask you this. What's got, what has this all got to do with consciousness? Well, it has to do with that what we're, what we're seeing, sort of big picture for me, the more that we study the brain and, um, and the more I think about consciousness, and if you go to Be Above Leadership, there's also a blog post out there right now um, not the most recent, but the one right before this. There's a blog post that I wrote about consciousness. So I want to say a couple of things. One is is that I don't understand it any better than anybody else. Uh-huh. You know, we at Be Above are working on it, and it will probably be, you know, Ursula and I have a retirement plan, which is to keep working forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Those maybe, are you your know, words. <laughs> that is my words. But, but because, you know, this is the work of our life and we want to keep moving this conversation, be part of the team in the world that moves this conversation down the field, even if we may never get to the goalpost. <laughs> Sports analogy there. Um, so, so one is that it's, it's a thing where I'm just, you know, we're just trying to move the ball down the field a little bit. Yeah. Um, and what I'm seeing right now is... As, as we look at the brain and as we've been just digging into the brain and working with people, is that um, the, the consciousness itself may not be in the brain. It might be beyond us. And that's a whole big kettle of yes. ball of worms there. So we'll bookmark yep. that. But that how it relates to the brain is that we can put the, the, the different aspects of the brain can be more and become more and more receptive to consciousness. So just Mm -hmm. let me talk a little bit more about what I mean by that. Um, If we are in the three lower levels, below what we call below the line, and that's the levels of hopelessness, fear, and frustration, if we are there, um, what we think of as awareness, the ability to... uh, be in what the Buddhists might call observer mind, to be awake to our own processes. It's not possible in those levels because we are too flooded with chemicals and we are too disintegrated right and left, front and back, and up and down. So as as we move up in the levels, become more aware, 
the chemical cocktail calms down and we become more integrated and the brain becomes perhaps, perhaps, a more and more finely tuned radio receiver for what might be, maybe it is within us, but might very well be beyond us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that the brain... Um is beginning to, and the chemicals that are in our bodies, begin to work with us and for us rather than against us and the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, It's not the case that if you have your, you know, if your prefrontal cortex is activated, for example. So, you know, one of the the chemicals of adrenaline and and cortisol are, you know, one of the impacts, as I said before, when we're upset, when we're very, very afraid, very angry like that, we get adrenaline, cortisol, and they're designed to put us into fight or flight. They also overload the prefrontal cortex and basically take it offline. And this yes. is great, again, as I said, because you don't want to be analyzing, you know, the speed of the car. You just want to react. And there are times in our life we just need to react. Um, so when, we, when the prefrontal cortex, which is the, the, the latest part of our brain to develop, it's what we would call the higher brain, um, the neocortex, et cetera, uh, when that is, comes online, one of the things that it does is it uh, will release a chemical. It'll release a chemical called GABA, and mm-hmm. GABA is a inhibitory neurotransmitter. And so, it basically, Dan Siegel, one of our heroes, he talks about this as Pepto Bismol for the brain. It coats, it soothes, it protects, it calms everything down. It inhibits the excitatory excitatory. I may not be saying it right. Neurotransmitters, or the excitatory thing that's happening with the adrenaline and cortisol and other neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. um, it calms them down, and so that you can think again. And you can yes. see this, you know, if you, as you get upset, you might have a reaction and then you just even take a little time, do some deep breathing, you can sort of feel yourself get more logical again. So yes. what I want to say is that logic in itself is not the ultimate expression of our consciousness. It isn't the ultimate, the ability to actually now think what we call think rationally. Mm-hmm. I don't think that is the height of our consciousness, but it's, but it's part of it. Without mm-hmm. that, we can't actually, without that part, we can't reach higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. Is that making sense, Ursula? Yeah, that is making sense. Uh, now, uh, because the brain is such a complicated um, and complex system, uh, you said that early on that, you know, it's not any one part. I think this is also why... Um, being more, um, how should I say this, being more steadily ground, let's, let's put it that way, in an above-the-line state is, is not that easy to do because mm-hmm. of the brain's complex, um, because of the, the brain being a complex system. So you're talking about the logical part of our brain, and, you know, I know that there is, of course, there's, you know, the right hemisphere, then there's the heart and the gut, our mirror neurons. This is such a <laughs> complex machinery that all is like, that really is like a puzzle piece. 
So if one yeah. puzzle piece isn't fitting into the whole complex system, the whole the whole picture gets blurred and distorted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Somebody just somebody just asked me a really a, just a great question, and and I'm and I've spent half an hour trying to write an email response this morning. And so if you're listening and didn't get your email response yet, you'll know why. Um, he asked me, you know, uh, that he was writing writing something about organizational effectiveness and what's the um, from a coactive point of view, which is the world that Ursula and I come out of, the CT, the Coaches Training Institute, the coactive model. And it's a great question, like what is the you know, he said, we want to put like a half a page or a page in about the brain, you know, sort of the brain research and all of that. And I, and I just about, I just like my heart sank because I so mm-hmm. really like this guy, I want to help him. But I can't, like a half a page, like, oh my God, like I can't even explain it in half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? Um, it's so complex because, as Ursula said, we we have our own brain in our head. And then we Mm -hmm. have mirror neurons, which help us have empathy and feel other people, but also mean that other people's emotions and feelings seem to have a profound impact on us. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So consciousness is innumerable factors that, that are part of the journey of regulating. And integrating. Yes. Oh, beautifully said. I love that. We should Can write it again? that down. So remember, <laughs> consciousness is. Consci- Let me see if I can remember it. Consciousness is a. It's innumerable factors that are part of the journey of. Integ- I think Dan Siegel would say of integrating or regulating or understanding or getting connected to <laughs> in our brains. Yeah, yeah, of integrating, um, I would say of regulating and then integrating because the regulation, I think, really comes first and then through the process of regulating our, um, our internal, you know, compass, as we do this, we more and more become, uh, we, we become integrated. Um, yes. I wanna, uh, yeah. Can I say one more thing about that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, go ahead. Yeah, because the, the other thing I want to say about that I think is an important point. So when we think of things linearly, which is one of the um, aspects that the left hemisphere gives us, is the capacity to think linearly, and we you know, do the checklist approach to life, we would look at what I just said and say, and people might want to know, oh, great, innumerable factors, well, give me the checklist. What do I have to do here? And I'll do them. You know, I'll go down the list and I'll get all of these things into place. It doesn't really work like that. It's because everything affects everything else. So, for example, if you are a meditator and you work at internal self-regulation where you become very aware of your body processes and very aware of your capacity to regulate, even your heartbeat and your you know, reactive response happens and you can self-regulate that, um, that is a door. It's, it's, more like there's, it's more like this beautiful castle consciousness with all of yes. these beautiful doorways. And yes. uh, there's a doorway there that you can enter through simply what you're doing in this internal regulation of your body is you're working with your vagus nerve, which is connected to every organ in your body. And by monitoring that, 
and and regulating it and 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 just noticing your reactions without doing anything above it you're strengthening that connection and you've gone through a beautiful door into consciousness now um someone else might do mindfulness meditation where they focus on a mantra well what you're doing and what's proven there is you're actually Uh, according to the research on the Dalai Lama and his monks and long-term meditators, what what will happen is you're thickening your corpus callosum. You're making stronger connections between the two hemispheres. And that's a doorway into consciousness, and that will actually affect your capacity to regulate your vagus nerve. So it's all... It's, there isn't one way, and anybody who tells you that this is the way is not thinking big enough. Well, yes. And so there. So there, there you have it. Now, what I have to say about my own uh, journey um, yeah. in and out of consciousness. <laughs> in and out of consciousness, right. <laughs> in and out of consciousness. And then I um, want to also loop back to um, what I wanted to say earlier. However, what I am wanting to say about my own journey of consciousness, I have to say that um, without the knowledge of how the brain works, the whole aspect of neuroscience, the, the journey of consciousness was a lot more vague. It was harder because I didn't know why my heartbeat was going like this and why I was reacting to somebody who, you know, said something to me. I didn't know. And that knowledge, so again, you know, where science and religion and all these other aspects converge, it really is we're looking, in our work at least, and I, I believe, we are looking at a convergence. We are mm-hmm. teaching people science so that they can understand where to find the doors, the, the key to the doors of the castle. Mm-hmm. Then we, we teach them an aspect of saying, well, this is actually the castle. Consciousness is the castle. God, that's beautiful. And then, and, then, and then we have the tools to say, okay, here is a key and here is another key. And all these keys are opening the door into the castle of consciousness. Yeah, I love that. It's the, um, there's, a, there's a saying in, in philosophy and in science. I think it's a saying from philosophy, necessary but not sufficient. Mm. And I think... Isn't that good? I think what you're really pointing to is so beautiful that, um, and I might even say extremely helpful but not sufficient. So there's a place where this, this more logical linear, the why understanding, the understanding that, oh, I have this vagus nerve that's connected to every major organ in my body and is sending my brain tons of information, and if I can get more connected to it, I can actually regulate my emotional response. That's information. Having that and learning that, it's a piece of the puzzle. Now, it's necessary but not sufficient. You then have to go practice it. But if you don't even know it exists, how do you, get, how do you even see the door to go through? Yeah, so I really no, love you, that you really, analogy. You don't have a, you don't have a, you know, you don't have a tour guide, um, and th- this is uh, so. This is what I wanted to say early on. We've talked about the below the line levels of hopelessness, fear, and frustration, and then um, there are the above the line levels. And you know, as Anne said, if you go uh, onto our website, you have the seven levels and the picture of it there. The above the line levels are courage, engagement, 
innovation, and synchronicity. So there are four levels that, again, they act as a tour guide, basically. Yeah, and they and and the what we've seen is that um, you you know there's a number of things that we think and that what we're looking for there's no research on the seven levels because you know that's that's our thing and other models of consciousness you know neuroscience is not yet there where it's it's researching at this level it's still looking to see are we conscious or are we robots uh, <laughs> sorry for all the neuroscientists <laughs> out there that's really unfair what I just said please forgive me um, are we a brain in a vat as they like to say. At any rate, what we're looking at is real subtleties, and what we're saying, we're making a bold statement. We're saying we have increasing levels of consciousness, what some people might call vibration, um, uh, effectiveness, all of those. So we're saying that. What we think from our reading of the literature, what seems to be true, especially if you correlate to effectiveness, is that certain things are happening in the brain more and more at higher levels. And I'll give you an example. At, you know, given the research, what we would call the level of probably our engagement and innovation, really high, effective, uh, productive levels, the kind of people you want to have, you want to work with, the kind of people that get stuff done um, and are really easy to be around, uh, we would call that sort of the highest level of emotional intelligence. And, the, and there's, some, there's more and more emerging research there. And if you want to look up a guy named Boisatis, it's Richard Boisatis, B-O-Y-Z-A-T-I-S. He's done some great research on leaders, and this is using functional MRI scanning, where, where they've looked to see, it's, it's detailed research, they've looked to see um, their response in the leader's followers, and then what? So you want to look for engagement response. You want to look for activation in areas of the brain that are most associated with learning and creativity. And they have some aspects of the brain where that seems to be the correlation. And you, and you want to have the brain of the follower in what they, what they would call a toward response. So followers who had that kind of response in their brain, then the question is, well, what kind of leader creates that? This is really, really key in leadership. Mm -hmm. Here's what they found. Leaders who were activating both hemispheres more were more likely to create this kind of response in their followers. So mm -hmm. that's just one study that we would cite to say, huh, perhaps as we gain consciousness, as we move up the ladder, our ladder of consciousness, one of the things that happens is that we get more integrated right and left. Other research that would say there's something going on with, with as I talked about before, the higher brain and the lower brain. We get more integrated mm -hmm. top and bottom. And there's also some things that are pointing to the value of being integrated from our front brain to our back brain. So if you think about this as the most effective and at the highest consciousness, it's like we can stand in this still center of integrating all aspects of ourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that is beautiful. And that research, um, you know, that in regards to leadership, I think is, is very, very, very powerful because it really shows that um, you know, from a from a standpoint of effectiveness, that the higher you are now in you know when we talk seven levels on our level 
you know, in our ladder, um, that not only do, become, do you become more integrated, you regulate more, you become more mindful, and therefore you become more effective. Yeah, and, and for us, we think that that's really kind of the, the cosmic joke of it all. It's a cosmic joke. I, we've got a T-shirt in, in our Be Above training supplies somewhere that I haul out from time to time, and it's a skull and crossbones, and it says, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> Someday we're going to collect a T-shirt for each of the seven levels, but that's, that's our good one for, for the level of frustration. And, and unfortunately, I mean, we're, we're in a world that's shifting, but unfortunately there's still – there's still some thinking out there in what we would call the dominant culture or consensus reality that says, yeah, that's, an, that's, that's true. You need, people, need to, people need to know that there's consequences and they need to know that they've got to toe the line and the beatings will continue until morale improves. And what we found and what the research points to is that really for effectiveness, what you're looking at for the for profit and bottom line and employee retention and on down the road, what you're actually looking at is the more heart-centered you are, the more emotionally regulated you are, the more able you are to tap into some of the aspects of the right brain as well as the left brain, the better off you're going to do and the better your company's going to be. No question. It's not even debatable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, again, I had a conversation um, with a client uh, the other day, and uh, she was telling me um, she had to, she had to give a presentation. She did some research on um, on a person, and you know, the question was, why did people listen to this person? Mm. You know, he was sort of a, he was a sort of a um, very eccentric, and and in his time, he didn't live in our century. He lived in a in a different different. Um, a, a different age, uh, it, one would have said, you know, he sort of is a little crazy. He's sort of like not, you know, your run-of-the-mill shepherd or run-of-the-mill baker or whatever. So, you know, the question then became, why did people listen to that? And, and this person, I thought this was a wonderful question. She said, you know, and who else is there in this century right now when, where we live? Why do people listen to this person? And... So my immediate sort of like, uh, you know, my, my, my feel and my intuition said, well, we know when someone speaks the truth. Yeah, we we know when somebody comes from the heart. So tying into what you are saying, of course we know when somebody is authentically integrated because we feel it. We know the truth when somebody speaks and where they're coming from. Now, we might not have any analysis about this or any evidence. We just know when somebody speaks that we are drawn to them or we're not drawn to them. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a really great segue. I think we've had a, you know, such a rich conversation today. I kind of want to just leave it at this and um, just segue into uh, sort of the, you know, how do you do this and how do you learn more about this and get your hands on the keys to the castle? Um, we have a couple of things upcoming. Um, I'm going to be on the East Coast. If you're out there, I will be talking about the power of coactive coaching and neuroscience in Boston on the 10th, I think it is, 
and you can go to the Coaches Training Institute website and look under the calendar for that. I'll be in Washington, D.C. on the 13th, talking about coactive coaching and neuroscience again in an evening. And then on the 14th, all day Saturday, talking about the neuroscience of intuition, which really gets at some of the questions Ursula's talking about. How do we know? How do we know when someone's speaking the truth? And this is not just another intuition program where it's, you know, let's, let's all just have fun with it, in, in, which I love. Those are great. But this is really like what is the science behind it? Is this a woo-woo thing or can we explain it all? And, and I do my best to explain it all. Um, the other thing that I want to mention that's really just open, and those are open to, um, the evenings are open to anyone, the day-long session is open to coaches. Uh, the thing I want to say about, uh, the other thing that we have that's open to any leader that's really, really going to be a powerful exploration of using these two tools to make your organization more effective and understanding neuroscience to be a far more powerful leader than you even already are, is we have a retreat coming up in Celebration, Florida, Ursula's hometown, and who wouldn't want to yeah. go to Florida in January? Ursula, what are the dates on that one? Uh, January 21st, I think, is the date. And again, it's, it's on our website, uh, beaboveleadership.com. Um, if you go to the top, um, uh, the, the tabs at the top and click on, um, you know, advanced coaching programs, there I is also a leadership. Under, no, it's under neuroscience workshops, and this yeah, is called leadership leadership the mastery of effectiveness and check it out there and feel free to call either one of us if you have any questions about that it's going to be a lot of really powerful tools and then we also have for those of you who are coaches and are looking for the next thing we have our advanced coaching series all over the world we are talking yes. about bringing it to uh, we will be in Canada we'll be in the US east and west coast this year and we're also uh, looks like we're going to be bringing it to Dubai and Turkey in the fall of 2014 so we got a lot as going well on. as as well as London England and I've just had a yes. look at the dates the dates for the leadership retreat are January 22nd to through the 26th and it's a residential retreat for those of you that don't live live in Florida, and we also have a, um, a, a registration button for those that live locally um, to attend, and um, it will be, I mean, it will be very, very powerful looking at the neuroscience of leadership and, and then embedding our seven levels into that. Great. Well, Ursula, thank you for a really fun conversation today, um, you know, that at least doesn't explain consciousness, but I feel like we, you know, we got some interesting stuff on the table, and I think this is a conversation we'll be having the rest of our lives, and I, I just love that we get to do this for a living, I love doing it with you, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was it was wonderful. Thank you for everybody uh, who is listening, and um, wish you a, a great December, great holiday season, whatever you might be celebrating. Thanks, my dear, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye, everyone.